Well, good morning. Welcome to Yoxon Baptist Church English Sunday School class for February 20th, 2022. We are in Unit 5, which is look in, not look down, like some of your paperwork might show. We are looking in at the evidence from the human body, or from us as God's pinnacle of creation, how that speaks to biblical creation and the believability of the trustworthiness of God's holy word. So far in this unit, we've discussed what the Bible says about the original creation of man, some of the biblical distinctives of being human, and six of the myriad attributes that we share with our Creator that speak to us being made in the image of God. Today I want to flesh out one of the most well-known uh, questions of the creation-evolution debate. Did humans evolve from ape-like creatures? I make that distinction because if you speak in a, not necessarily a debate, but a discussion with, excuse me, with an evolutionist, you will get a lot of credibility if you say something like humans evolved from ape-like creatures instead of saying man came from monkeys. Because there is no one who believes that men, modern man, evolved from any extant or currently existing ape, monkey, primate species. No one believes that. No one believes that the chimpanzee you see in the tree is the ancestor of man. <laughs> Their theory is that an ape-like creature or several ape-like creatures are common ancestors to modern man and modern primates. So that's why that is there. It's not, it's not to make fun of anything. It's actually to be more accurate as to what is the question at hand. Okay, so perhaps the most bitter pill to swallow for any Christian who attempts to, as they put it, make peace with Darwin, is the presumed ape ancestry of men. Even many Christians who uncritically accept evolution as what they refer to as God's way of creating, I know you've probably heard that before, that God used evolution as his form of creation, they somehow will still try to elevate the origin of men or of mankind, or at least his soul, above that of the beasts. But evolutionists attempt to soften their blow. Let me go and give you this. Evolutionists attempt to soften their blow by assuring us that man didn't exactly evolve from apes, which are tailless monkeys. The, the term ape refers to the primates that are tailless. But rather from ape-like creatures, as I just said. This is mere semantics, however as many of the presumed ape-like ancestors of man are apes and have scientific names which many are, uh, sorry, which include the term at the end, Pithecus. So if you've ever heard of Australopithecus or Hesperopithecus, the Pithecus is just Greek for ape. So they are admitting in the name that they're an ape. The much-touted human ancestor, commonly known as Lucy, for example, has the scientific name Australopithecus afarensis, which means southern ape from the Afar Triangle of Ethiopia. But what does the Bible say about the origin of man, and what exactly is the scientific evidence that evolutionists claim for this supposed ape ancestry? So let's start with... Oh, here we go. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. I didn't realize I'd added it. Um, all of these supposed ancestors ending in the Pliopithecus and the, the 
Dryopithecus and the Oreopithecus and Oreo. Um, Australopithecus is here, advanced Australopithecus here, right? So you have all these Pithecuses that all mean ape. And you can't get away from the fact that you're trying to say, if you were as smart as me, you would know I was calling these apes. But because you're not as smart as me, and I'm smarter than you, so I know you're not as smart as me, I know that you know that you don't know that these are apes. But I can tell you that they're not apes. Come on, let's quit playing the game. Biblical starting assumptions is where we want to. We always want to bring these classes back to. It's not as important to know what the evolutionist teaches, because that's everywhere. It's important to know what the Bible teaches, and then how does that fit into what we observe. So, biblical starting assumptions, God tells us that on the same day that he made the, all the animals that walk on the earth, the sixth day, he created man separately in his own image with the intent that man would have dominion over every other living thing on earth. We see that in Genesis 1, 26-28. So, the first biblical starting assumption is that man was made separately from and given dominion over animals. <clears throat> Thus, when God paraded the animals by Adam for him to name, uh, he observed that, in, according to Genesis 2.20, for Adam there was not found a help meet for him amongst all of the creatures that God had created. That distinctly separates man from the animals because no animal was an acceptable mate for Adam. It's very important. Then Jesus confirmed the uniqueness of men and women when he declared the marriage that, uh, declared that marriage is to be between a man and a woman because, quote, from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. That's Mark 10:6. So we see that man and woman were meat for each other, not for the animals, nor the animals for them. Okay? And then the third distinction, or the point there is that these leave, this leaves no room for pre-humans any kind of evolving force before Adam was the, the first good one. And <laughs> there's no room also for billions of years of cosmic evolution prior to man's appearance on Earth, like we talked about earlier with the gap theory. Because evolution, in its pure theory, depends on death for advancement. But creationism depends on life for its advancement. Everything in Everything in our worldview is about life. So Adam chose the very name Eve for his wife because he recognized that she would be the mother of all living. You can't be the mother of all living if something living came before you. Okay, Genesis 3.20 is where that distinction comes from. No pre-humans or millions of years, both Mark 6, Mark 10.6 and Genesis 3.20. And then finally, for a biblical starting assumption, uh, we, we see that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 39 stated clearly that men are not animals when he said that all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of fishes, Amen. and another of birds. Amen. They are distinctly different creatures, created differently for different reasons by God on different days and of different sources. If you look back at Genesis 1 through 3, Genesis 1 through Genesis 3, you will see that there were certain animals made out of water and certain animals made out of dirt. And that makes a distinction between them, which automatically and from the first three chapters of Genesis refutes evolution's concept that this that a reptile became a bird or vice versa. No, they are distinctly different creatures and they're also made in the reverse order of what 
um, evolution tries to tell them, right? They are not connected in that they are ancestors. They are connected in that they have a common creator. So then what are evolutionary starting assumptions? Um, first, while Bible-believing Christians begin with the assumption that God's word is true, or at least we should, and that man's ancestry goes back only to a fully human Adam and Eve, Evolutionists begin with the assumption that man has, in fact, evolved from apes, and man was not created specially. So there are no paleoanthropologists. That's the study of fossil evidence for man's origin. Pa paleontology and anthropology combined together to paleoanthropology is the study of the fossil evidence of the origin of man specifically. None of them in their scientific communities would dare ask the question, did man evolve from apes? You will never see that in literature. You're only allowed to see from what apes did man evolve. Because you have to start with the assumption that evolution is 100% true, unquestionable. Man came from an ape-like creature from a molecule. Okay, So that's the brainwashing assumption of all textbooks from the middle school level I would even say from the elementary school level all the way to doctorate level. There is no way to get past the brainwashed assumption that evolution is a fact. Now let's figure out how, right? But it's not a brainwashed assumption for us because we're saying the Bible is true, not that the Bible is a fact. The Bible is true, and I believe it to be true, based off of evidence from itself and from its application to my life. And the more things that I see in life that give me confidence that the Bible is true, the more evidence I can find that again supports that worldview. So since evolutionists generally do not believe that man evolved from an ape that is now living, like I talked earlier, talked about earlier, they look to fossils of humans and fossils of apes to provide them with their desired evidence. Specifically, they're looking for anatomical features that look intermediate between that of apes and man. Fossil apes having such features are declared to be ancestral to man, or at least collateral relatives, right? So the, the, the branch isn't just that little walking path that I showed. It actually goes pretty wide. Some of them die off. Um, and there's a lot of convoluted, even more convoluted than this uh, uh, family tree over here, more convoluted explanations that they try to make it as believable to themselves as they can, but thus the anything that is declared to be an ancestor of man that they refer to, like I said in the last couple of weeks, as homo sapiens, right? Homo just meaning man, but um, any of those collateral relatives or ancestral ape-like creatures to man are, are called hominids. And if they are ancestral to living ape, apes and, and monkeys today, or living other living primates, they refer to them as hominoids. So hominoids are um, the, the ancestors of modern apes. Hominids are supposed ancestors of modern man. That's if you hear those terms. And you might hear them through here a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but there's, it's just because where are their similarities and where have we declared them to be? And often it only depends on a scientist declaring it one way or the other, probably for their own agenda. But evolutionists are willing to accept mere similarities between the fossilized bones of extinct apes and the bones of living men as proof of ape ancestry. 
So one more thing I think we can jump into, and then we'll continue this all. I'm going to intro this next category. Is there evidence for human evolution? Oh, there we go. Second assumption by evolutionists, man and apes evolved from now extinct ape-like creatures. And third, the fossil record must show intermediate species. In order for their theory to be true, they have to assume that there are intermediate species. Darwin assumed it. He had no evidence for it. He assumed it, so they sought out it from 1859 to find that intermediate evidence to prove the theory that they already wanted to believe because it allowed them to not be accountable to God. And that's something that is key to this whole debate is that people want evolution to be true because they don't want to be accountable to God. Mm -hmm. If creation is true, there is a God. If there is a God, we are accountable to him. And man has fought for millennia. Since Nimrod in the since, Tower of Babel. That's right, since Nimrod in the Tower of Babel, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. Since Nimrod in the Tower of Babel, man has fought with every bit of his being to not be accountable to anyone but himself. And he does a poor job of that anyway. So, this is the introduction to this part, and this is probably where we'll break it off for next week. <clears throat> Sorry. Is there evidence for human evolution? Though many similarities may be cited between living apes and humans, they often tout this 98% similar -er thing. <clears throat> the only historical evidence that could support the ape ancestry of man must come from fossils. Like I said, it must be in the fossil record because it's not in the living record. Unfortunately, the fossil record of man and apes is sparse at best. I couldn't put this into your notes because uh, it was a lot of color. So if, if you can see this, this entire blue section of the black outlined square represents that of the all known fossils anywhere in the world that have been discovered, that have been destroyed, that have been stored, that have been studied, 95% of them are from marine invertebrates, which makes sense because they were in the water already and they died quickly. 4.7% are from algae and plants. This little bitty dot that you can hardly see right here of all of this represents 0.2% of all known fossils belong to insects and other invertebrates. And this little dot that's even, it's half the size of that, 0.1%, 0.1% of all known fossils are from vertebrates of any kind. That means any creature having a backbone. Anything that could swim. <laughs> and, or, right, anything that could climb, swim, that had a, a big enough brain to figure out how to not be underwater. Okay? That's everything. And here's the kicker. Only the smallest imaginable fraction, the, a number that has so many zeros I didn't even count them, of this 0.1% of total known fossils are from primates. And primates is all apes monkeys, gorillas, all of them, right? The tails and the tailless. And lemurs and humans were, were the primate category, okay? So it makes sense that you wouldn't have a lot of human fossils because humans, I hope, would be smart enough to at least be able to swim when the floodwaters get happen. One, escape the floods as much as they can. Two, swim, and they're probably going to rot before they can get fossilized being covered in the mud. Right? That's why we have so few fossilized remains of humans. Most of them are humans that were already buried. And so then their remains that were already buried in the ground got rapidly covered over the, we talked about the concepts of 
uh, permineralization and petrification, right? Mm -hmm. Where minerals replace the tissue and then make something petrified. So those are typically the only human remains that we find are the ones that were already buried by the time of the flood. And that's where you find like in Turkey with 14 feet tall human skeletons. Or became <clears throat> a fossil after, well after the flood, like the foot in Truth. a boot. Truth, right. In or Texas. in one little tragedy, they became a fossil much later, but oh, because of where this is, we have to we have to say it's old. Well, this dude was from 1960. <laughs> not, not very old. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Those are, but those, again, that's not a full human. That was also a man that was smart enough to like, I'm going to break my leg off so that I don't get completely buried, right? So, long story there, but this representation shows uh, just how comical it is to think that we have absolute established fact. We have very little information to go off of. But in addition to that, because of the rarity of these fossil hominids, even many of those who specialize in the evolution of man, that spend a 30 or 40 year career writing the established literature about the evolution of man, have never actually touched a hominid fossil. The vast majority of them have only studied the notes of people who found them looked at cast replicas, supposedly, of them, or only looked at measurements and other people's studies and photos, and that's what they based all of their information and their expertise off of. The few um, hominid fossils that do exist, the person who discovers them locks them down like Fort Knox, and the only people they allow access to see them or touch them or study them are evolutionists who affirm ahead of time that they agree with their interpretation of that fossil. That's the only way anybody gains access to those fossils. So that doesn't engender any trust from my perspective that they are they're telling the truth or that they know what they're talking about. I would say from a Christian perspective, right, if, if I can't answer your questions about what I believe, why should anybody believe that I believe it? And if someone wants to claim to be a Christian, but then also that they're a part of the Masonic Lodge, and that everything they know is secret knowledge that you can't have unless you earn it, well, if it's that secret, then how do you know it? And why would I want to know what you know just because it's secret? It just turns me off, right? So, again, that's, that is really what this entire culture of paleoanthropology is about. Since there's so much more prestige in finding an ancestor of man than an ancestor of living apes, or worse yet, an actual extinct ape. <clears throat> There's an immense pressure on paleoanthropologists to declare almost any ape-like fossil that they find to be hominid. I have a question. Okay. So what happened to the theory that man evolved from marine Eventually no, that's still part of the theory. Yeah, yeah, we're just not going back that far. Okay. I'm only going back to the part where there's there's non-biological life that becomes single-celled organisms that becomes okay. you know multi-celled um, organisms, right? But the biological evolution is in there somewhere, still in their theory. But it gets to the point where some kind of fish crawls up on, grows legs, yeah. crawls up on land, loses its gills, comes becomes something else, becomes something else, right? It, there's that whole molecules to man concept. I'm only dealing with the part of the section of that entirety where some ape-like creature branches off into modern apes and man, right? Because this is also key to us, right? We, it is, it's the same concept. We don't 
we don't believe that it was molecules to man evolution. We also don't believe that it was ape-like creature to man evolution. Okay, it was special creation by God. All right, almost done. <clears throat> almost yep. done. That's it. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nope. Keep going. I can keep going. Okay, so this is the this is the quick bit before we uh, move on. As a result of this. Um, teachers having little knowledge of human anatomy, even social studies teachers, are forcing this agenda of evolution to our kids. And they know nothing of human anatomy, and they know nothing of ape anatomy. And so next week, what we're going to focus on is the differences between ape and human skeletal anatomy that distinctly show you this is an ape, this is a human, there's nothing in between. Okay. There are variations, but that's where we're going to pick up next week, is in those differences between human and ape skeletons that, uh, toward the study of whether or not humans evolved from ape-like creatures.